Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Waters Wavelength podcast. My name is Anthony Malikian. I'm the U.S. editor of Waters and today I'm joined as always by my co-host James Rundle, the news editor of Waters. Say hello. Hey everybody. So today, um, well, we're gonna in a little bit we're gonna talk about uh, my magnificent feature on JavaScript. Yep. Um, that just went live today, uh, Friday the 14th of July, and after that we're gonna look at uh, CFTC and a, yet another attempt to try and clean up its uh, swap data um, processes, whatever you want to call it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, before we get to that, uh, a couple things coming up for next week. If you're listening to this today, it'll be next week, yep. whatever. Um, on Thursday, uh, the 20th, I believe, uh, is gonna, we're going to be announcing the Waters Rankings winners. Um, again, those, those awards are voted on by our end users. And um, so that'll be on Thursday. Should be live online about 2 o'clock. We're having a luncheon here in Manhattan for all the winners. Um, and then on the Tuesday, so July 18th in London, um, we have a, a breakfast briefing of some sort uh, called uh, Mifid 2, What You Need to Know. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yep. And yep. uh, the name Six that. months out, so... Six months if out. If you don't so. know what you need to know, this is the event. And this is where to go, just so you can kind of pretend at least. Probably a few churches you need to go pray at as well, I'd imagine. Exactly. But, you, know, yeah. you mean bar, right? That's what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off with JavaScript, because you start off with the best thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's just... it's. Yeah, I mean, everyone says you should save the best for last, but let's go into it right now. Tell me about JavaScript, Tony, and this magnificent opus you've crafted. Well, first of all, you should all check it out simply for the I photoshopped an image of Vladimir Lenin <laughs> over some JavaScript code. You'll understand when you read the story. Um, you know, I don't want to give too much away because the lead is, in my I, opinion, I, Honestly, you should have seen the newsroom when he created that image. For about 24 hours afterwards, he'd be going, have you seen this? Have, have you seen, seen what I've done? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, myself it, I'm more proud well. of that than I am of this 2,500-word <laughs> story. But the 2,500-word story is very good. Um, originally, I was working on a story looking at HTML5 developments. Now, we've written a little bit about this, but, you know, just um, OpenFin had had a lot of announcements, and a lot of uh, the collaborators of OpenFin had recently had a lot of pretty significant breakthroughs, um, mm -hmm. trading technologies, um, chart IQ, and then OpenFin itself um, rolling out um, its own uh, kind of developer um, uh, sandbox kind of thing. So figured, okay, let's see what's happening right now. We wrote about this three, four years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. So okay, are there new developments in the HTML5 space? As I went about the reporting of this, what I found was, yes, there are developments that are happening there, certainly, but a lot of people started talking to me about, a lot of the end users I was speaking with started talking to me about you know, the, the problem they were having just with JavaScript in general Right. and web development and you know kind of user user um, user interface uh, development and progression and so around JavaScript there are tons and tons of frameworks so JavaScript is a great language to write in for web development but there are all these different frameworks all these different libraries you know for example you know when I was uh, chatting with uh, Dan Shuffler um, from Chart IQ CEO Chart IQ uh, you know he's talking about how like for data binding you have Angular 1 and Angular 2, and right. those two aren't really compatible with each other. Not only that, it was basically a complete rewrite for Angular 2. Um, so you have that, you have React, Backbone, Ember, Vue, Knockout, Polymer. 
everybody's using kind of different versions of these and some and some shops are using different versions of these throughout their uh stack um then you move on down to stack for something like building systems you have grunt gold branch broccoli all these different we've heard of grunt grunt yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean just you know a lot of stupid names but you know i mean and so, so are these like when you talk about web development languages are these for websites are they for front ends in front end user so, interface right. and then also for just building out uh the applications and systems that are around that kind of ecosystem right okay. of the stack and so that became what was kind of the more interesting story um one source said you know um this is driven off of in large part uh open source JavaScript uh, being an open source language, you can go in and these these uh, frameworks libraries are open source. So they have great uh, development, great uh, contributors that are all working on it. All these big companies are investing in it too. So you're seeing advancements, rapid advancements uh, happen. But he says, uh, you know, uh, the move to open source has created a lot of packages that are available and the developers always want to use the new cool, use the word shit. So we'll use that on there too. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> Since you've joined, we, we curse a lot less here. So I feel like it's, right? you know, okay, Dan yeah, yeah. and I would curse a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, they don't always consider the longer run is this maintainable aspects of the decision. So you get each firm using a ton of different stuff for really no reason. And then going on, um, a lot of firms have started to take the code in whatever you want to attitude. Um, and the thing holding the folks back is that the developers they want so now I'm paraphrasing, but developers want to write in whatever code they want to. They especially right. younger ones right out of college, the ones that really want to work with cutting edge tools. They they don't want to be constrained. They want you to be able to explain to them why can't I use this. They, they're not looking at it from a CTO level overall. What is our stack? Where are we kind of getting too spread out here? Yeah. So that kind of became the impetus of the story, and then kind of get into it, I guess, a little bit from there. So let me ask you a couple of questions just to make sure I understand this. So JavaScript has all these various different forms of language. Are they all sort of from the same stem of language and then their derivations thereof and variations thereof on top, or are they, are they actually distinct languages in of themselves? Well, they're frameworks so, yeah. and libraries that draw from now. We're, I'm not a coder, so right. this is one area. I let the smart people talk in the article. <laughs> and um, but see, are, So these are just uh, kind of how they're drawing information and stuff like that yeah. to the site and uh, how they draw data. Yeah, so. and the problem being, obviously, that, I mean, I've seen this before. I used to live with a developer who calls himself a full-stack developer because he's that kind of guy, um, where he yeah. would get excited about one kind of development mode or framework, and then the next week he'd be going, well, Grunt's rubbish, I'm going to work on this, and then, oh, you know, Angular's shit, I'm going to work on this instead. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen it happen, so I can understand the... Uh, the frustration from a CTA's perspective. So, and I think one of the interesting things when, so I wrote the article and um, a friend of mine who's a programmer, uh, he read it online and he said, uh, you know, because at the end I kind of say that you know developers they kind of they they want this uh, libertarian utopia of just pure freedom. Let me do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And he was laughing. And goes, uh, he goes, a, a developer generally thinks. Yes, make it completely free, so long as everyone agrees with my choices. Right, exactly. Is uh, kind of uh, what he was saying made me laugh. Um, but it, is, it has become such a crucial uh, drawing card uh, for hiring. Um, one uh, person at a very, very big company I was saying that for them, 
Uh, JavaScript has been absolutely key in hiring. It's more accessible to more developers of more different skill levels, especially the more junior to mid-level engineers coming to um, you know kind of uh, this kind of a company. Mm. So it, it, it is, it, as always, everything comes down to people and... So this comes back to the whole Gen X millennials entering the workforce. Sure. Your web native doing what they want to do. And then do how do you balance that with, you know, these guys that did build the legacy systems, these guys have been there for years that are very senior mm-hmm. that maybe aren't as comfortable. I'm sure they, you know, that when you don't rise up that level without having, you know, be dangerous at least a little bit with these languages, right. but you're not an expert, certainly. Or you just, you know better than wanting to just jump right into a, a whole new language just because cool and cutting edge now Maybe you've seen that before and you said, you know what, yeah, it is cool and there's going to be something cool right on down the road, but what can we, what will actually have lasting development? Um, one CTO was telling me that they ended up choosing Backbone over Angular because at a time, especially when Angular 2 came out, you know, they were really neck and neck, those two, and it looked like Angular was kind of falling off, but now it's kind of seems like Backbone, it, it sounds like, you know, or, and that's just uh, an opinion, I guess, but... Um, and I'm certainly not an expert. This is uh, the source saying it, but that that's kind of falling off now. So you, you really have this kind of danger. And so you have all these different frameworks that you're playing around with and it becomes uncomfortable in the past, mm-hmm. Microsoft, you know, or Oracle, they would provide you with the stack. You know, you would have Microsoft would have the whole stat and you'd, you know, uh, build everything on .NET, you know, Oracle, you know, build on Java, whatever it is. That's not the case anymore. Right. So I, I guess that, that those are the interesting challenges that it creates. Is that the article? So how does it. anything get done? I mean, do the CTOs literally just have to slap them around the face and go, right, no, shut up, we're doing it this way, or is it, you know? It's my impression. Mm-hmm. Well, that will cer- it's certainly a shop by shop basis. At right. bigger firms, I think that you're just going to allow, you know, the <laughs> the talent runs the show at the end of the day. Right, right. You know, I mean, we're the talent here, Jim. You know, <laughs> people can try and tell us to stop swearing on the air, but you know, screw them. Yeah, this is why we're largely left alone in New York and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Guys from London never listen to the podcast, thank God. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say that it's it's very much just around. It's why it is a problem is that you're trying to wean things in, but you just you got to lo- use a light touch and shave around the edges. Is mm-hmm. the impression that I got from it? Certainly, yeah. um, I could be wrong. Vendor CTOs, they seem much more confident. You know, since they're building up their shops and they have their very focused products maybe they're able to do it a little bit more easily mm-hmm. than other firms are. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they've got their development kind of stack and that's kind yeah. of it, right? You know, yeah. Imagine a big global bank trying with all its different silos, with all its different geographies, you know, all its different kind of functions, you know, got you know, a retail bank with its you know, retail operations, with its insurance operations, with its, you know, oh, yeah. capital markets investment kind of all those different things. And you do want there to be some sort of interaction between these so you're not just building up everything for each individual thing. Yeah. There are certain things that are specialized, certainly, but... Well, it's funny, I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to uh, RBS, uh, this is back in the days when Scott Marker was the uh, the CTO there, and I think... God, there's a, I love Scott. Yeah, he's a, is he a Deutsche now, I think, is he? Or last I, uh, yeah. I checked out with him. Uh, um, but there was a chap, I think, called, uh, called Pat Healy at the time, who ran one of their kind of more experimental um, kind of wings, and he said, you know, every week they give their developers and their programmers two and a half hours like an afternoon off to go and then just do some crazy whatever the hell you want to do for like an afternoon just experiment with whatever coding language you want do whatever project you want in a lab 
but when you come back, you're working back on the company line. So <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, having it, an so open it. marriage in some ways. Okay, you get one weekend, you exactly. go do whatever yeah. you do, but once you come back, yeah, you're faithful to it. this. You get yeah. back on this right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting. That's, I guess it's kind of been going on for a while, and it's, uh, you know, different people's different solutions are fascinating, I think. To it. I should have included that, that basically being a CTO, you're kind of just trying to navigate a swinger's marriage, basically, <laughs> uh, by managing your staff in JavaScript libraries. That's the next feature. I like it. <laughs> and on to the next uh, piece of... Uh, yes. yes, quickly moving on. We'll, we'll um. go into, um, <laughs> so uh, this week, the CFTC announced that it's going to conduct a review of its swap data uh, reporting rules, um, which uh, uh, Risk had reported on first. Uh, you then wrote an article as well about this, I believe. Yeah, um, so it's he who shall not be named, who abandoned waters, who wrote the first story. Yeah, you know, Dan somebody who you might have heard his voice uh, in yeah. the past. Who, uh, Even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. Well, yeah, he schneid his way in to get that story when I was too busy doing actual work rather than just <laughs> floating around going, you know, that's it. I did used to work on risk as a full disclaimer. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, um, you know, swap date reporting is one of those perennial topics that comes up at conferences and it's really popular to shit on it. Um, I think we saw that at the Rug Tech conference when people were making funny jokes about how it's impossible to comply with it. Yeah. Um, now that I suppose the industry has a somewhat more sympathetic ear in charge of the commission um, with Giancarlo, who of course is ex-GFI. Um, we have one set of ears right now. So. Well, exactly, yes, and it's their set of ears. <laughs> <laughs> so, in addition to launching Project Kiss, he's decided to take on more work and, and launch an overhaul of uh, swap data reporting rules. It's probably a good idea. I mean, there are things about them that aren't working, and you know, since it launched, um, both in Europe and in the US, with different rule sets, everyone's been saying the data is useless. It doesn't, you know, give any insights. Uh, there's problems with it. Dan actually did write a proper story um, a week before, I think, talking about yeah. how something like th over thirty percent of the. Well, I have um, uh, the numbers here. So this is from GTR Analytics, and they found that about twenty-eight percent of commodity trade reports submitted to U.S. swap data repositories uh, since January two thousand third were missing key information, and for the first five months of two thousand seventeen. 36% of reports fail to identify either the underlying commodity <laughs> asset or the instrument trading. <laughs> Which is just what amazing, are you doing, right? I mean, you know, come I mean, on, what's the like, point? <laughs> this is the whole point. And um, so I think, yeah, there is a point saying, okay, maybe we need to look at this. If you're not actually reporting what's being traded, you're literally just giving us your name, thanks, but that's no use. Um, so the CFTC's got this roadmap that's uh, quite ambitious. They want to look at swap data repository operations. Uh, they want to look at harmonizing data elements between foreign regulators in the US. So a lot of the schema and the structure comes from uh, the CPMI, IOSCO guidelines, which regulators are supposed to use as a kind of basis, just kind of make sure everything kind of works together. But in practice, a lot of people diverge from it. So I think um, what the CFTC is going to do is look at what ESMA in Europe does, uh, what the SEC does for its own rules as well for security-based uh, swaps. Um, and, uh, and go from there. Uh, and then they also want to look at uh, the workflows that go into reporting as well. So they want to release the first rule um, around swap data repository operations by Q4 2017, which seems yep. somewhat ambitious considering they've got no commissions. Got no commissions. Yeah. So how are you going to do it? Yeah, that, that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Yeah. Like, it's like, I rule in favor of this, or no, I... <laughs> I don't King think Chris Giancarlo's of, plan yes. is amazing. So Chris Giancarlo, Giancarlo, man. I'm all about the guy, but, you know, it's... <laughs> You need some actual bodies on there. Uh, well, you do, that, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the process is is not as easy just going, hey, do you want to be a commissioner? Great, come on board. It's, yeah. It has to be confirmed by the Ag Committee and then by the Senate. Yeah. And 
Are you um, trying to tell me that some sort of proposed timeline from a regulator might not actually live up to what well, they I'm, believe it will be? Like far be it from me to ever criticize what the regulators do, they do. But yeah. um, I suspect it's ambitious. Um, I think the the second tranche deadline of uh, of late Q1 or early Q2 2018 is probably more realistic um, for looking at yeah, stuff. That's what they wanted. The final rule would be by Q2 2018, but... You know, well, again, I think they want to get it all done by 2019, right? They want everything to come yeah, in for compliance. compliance. Date no later yeah. than December 2019. Exactly. Um, but with, you know, it's not just the commissioners at the CFTC. It's, uh, you know, you see new division heads being appointed every day. They have to settle in and get their staff working on this yeah. and all the rest of it. So it's going to be ambitious. So if Giancarlo can do it, fair play. Um, I'm not sure if he can. And also there are parallel reviews going on about reporting in Europe um, through the EMEA review. So... Have to see what happens there as well. I, you know, to me, so in 2015, they tried to improve SDR reporting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, to little avail, it would seem. I don't know. Maybe you know, it's just me being condescending. But you know, if, if you're already again, no, I do think it's condescending. It's like, just like yeah. literally, this has been going on for years, guys. I mean, come on, you're yeah. not even reporting the instrument. <laughs> it's like, and I mean, it really is just. Now all of a sudden you're looking to just kind of flip a switch, you know, and just say, okay, we're we're gonna now we're gonna do this mm. after the TFTC by many accounts, especially critics' accounts, that they didn't have any, they didn't have much say in how the rule was drafted. They didn't give much uh, guidance along the way how they would like to see things. Now it's coming at the last hour and saying, or not, not now we're well into the game here, yeah. and you're saying no, we're gonna have to change the rules here a little bit. We don't, we don't think this is right. It's like, well, no kidding here, you know. Yeah, I would don't forget this first came about from a, uh, a G20 agreement in 2009. So they're talking 10 years on, finally getting workable rules in place. It's uh, it's, it's pretty impressive how slowly things move. You know, it's <laughs> so we'll see how that all develops. I, I wouldn't hold your breath on any uh, great changes or anything. The, the, no. the, the Q4 2017 deadline um, for draft validations, I doubt it would be my guess, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, so then moving to the last thing, going to talk a little politics, which is always you know, yeah, can be challenging. It's be interesting. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. um, you know, feel free to, if, if you're like, ah, I don't want to hear these idiots talk politics. Fair I enough. not blame you. Yeah. yeah. You know, so Jim is left-leaning guy. Yep. I'm right-leaning guy. You know, so we, we have a little bit of give and take. It's like a bad buddy cop driver, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. It really yeah, is. Yeah. It really is. Makes for good discussions at the bar. Yes. Um, if everyone to join us at the White Horse. <laughs> but um, Tommy will be pouring. Uh, <laughs> so I want to talk about because this is just – it's been driving me nuts. So usually we talk about movies or something like that at the end. You'll have a little fun. Mm. But this has been driving me nuts. So Donald Trump's meeting uh, with Russian lawyer – Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. Sorry. Got to get – yes. Uh, with uh, Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya, I think I think I got it, just I think not you well. It. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was set up through uh, Rob Goldstone with heavy ties uh, to Russia. It shows that he took help from Russia, or it shows that he was colluding with them on some level. Yeah, I mean, Whether or not it's illegal, this is the key point. we don't know like, yet. They focused on, I mean, the defense, I guess, from, from his defenders has been that, well, look, the meeting was nothing in the end. It was a pretext to get him there to talk about this uh, this adoption um, sanction. Mind um, you, the headline of the email, which Donald Trump Jr. tweeted out. This is not fake news. Know, even if you believe in tw- fake this news, is this is the full email tweet out. Russian Clinton, pri- Russian uh, hyphen Clinton uh, hyphen private and confidential. 
So, you know, I don't think they were just talking about, what do you think her blouse uh, selection that yeah, she's had? Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's come down to that. And I think we'll come back to the issue of him tweeting out and that, that towering level of stupidity that had to go with it <laughs> um, in a minute. But um, the point is that, um, you think about this, like, if you were a bank officer, like, appealing to our probable audience at this point, if anybody's still left listening, if someone sent you an email saying, um, I've got this great trade, I've got some inside information that, this company's about to be acquired and I can give you the dirt on it and you can trade. Yeah. Your first response, I would imagine, in today's environment wouldn't be, great, tell me about it. It would be, cool, here's my chief compliance officer and some police officers to come arrest you. you yeah. know, this, so, like, if yeah. he says... IBM Russian... has uh, released a red technique that specifically targets uh, exactly. emails like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and this is this is not a new development. Um, you know, when you're in a political campaign and someone emails you saying, explicitly saying that this is part of the Russian government's efforts to help your father... Um, this is from the Russian. He calls it the Crown Prosecutor, which is weird because there is no Crown Prosecutor in Russia. Yeah, I assume that's just Rob Goldstone getting yeah. it wrong. But um, you know, why is your first reaction to email back going "I love it" rather than going "Hey FBI, look what I just got"? <laughs> or just being like, you know. "This might not be the conversation to have over email." Maybe I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take this offline, Rob. <laughs> the level of incompetence involved here—it's—it's it's staggering. Staggering. And yeah. For me, what drives me nuts is. At what point are we in this country too far gone where we no longer care about bad things that our politicians are doing, even if they're in our own party? Yeah. So even if you voted for Donald Trump or even if you're a Republican, of which I am, um, I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but uh, I tend to vote uh, Republican. Mm -hmm. At what point do you... Do we believe in treason anymore? Do we believe that this person is working to get to power at the cost of the uh, cost of Americans? Because Russia is engaged in a cyber war against the U.S. right now. We don't have any official declaration of this, obviously, yeah. but this is what is happening. And there's a great article in Wired no, Magazine. We had no official declaration of a Cold War either, let's not yeah. forget. So, and that was still considered treason if you were operating, you know, assisting the enemy. Assisting them in, yeah. you know, colluding with them. Yeah. Uh, in Wired Magazine, there's a great article. I, I urge you to read it. It's the cover story, uh, How to Switch a Country Off. But the title online is um, How an Entire Nation Became Russia's Test Lab for Cyber War. I'm not even kidding. I... When I read that story after you tweeted it out, I thought about it for hours afterwards, and I think I genuinely lost sleep over it. It is that good a story, and it's and terrifying. And it is very it's... worrisome because it shows how the Russian Russian hackers coordinated attacks against Ukrainian targets and targeted their infrastructure, yeah. their power, turning off power to thousands of uh, residents um, in the dead of winter, zero-degree weather keeping those things off for a long time uh, for hours it took them to get it back on they would have went longer had they not been able to fix it but where you know the infrastructure start crumbling that you know water lines water mains can freeze up yeah. explode stuff like that but basically they're just testing out what they can do to other powers the u.s and whoever else they're going to look to you know maybe one day mm -hmm. fight because there's going to be a big cyber war it's going to come this yeah. isn't like a. This isn't like some Terminator thing. There will be, and and it starts with this. I mean, I was speaking to. Uh, I've, I've got a contact who used to work in the FBI um, for years as a cyber agent, and he said that you know modern warfare changed a lot over the last sort of 
60, 70 years before you'd have, you know, archers laying down volleys and uh, obviously we're going <laughs> further back or like then cannon volleys and cavalry charges and what have you Americans um, just destroying the Brits Americans just destroying the Brits yep. uh, the birth of that god awful national anthem and what have you heard <laughs> um, um, you know and nowadays it's uh, you soften a target up with airstrikes first and then you send the troops in you know generally armoured assaults and then infantry afterwards in the future the opening volley isn't going to be an airstrike. It's going to be a massive cyber attack against your enemy and crippling their infrastructure. That's I mean, it happens now already. Yeah. This is the thing. Um, so you're right. You know, the, the fact that uh, the Russians are, you know, according to this article, effectively using a country within their sphere of influence as a testbed is, yeah. is quite alarming. The <laughs> fact so. that Americans, simply because they voted for the Republicans, simply because they uh, affiliate themselves with Republicans, mm. that you'd they, they seem to just not care about the fact that our intelligence agents have said Russia did try to interfere and successfully every intelligence agency um, said this yes. yeah, so. interfere with our elections as far as we, there was no credible evidence as far as whether or not they were able to you know uh, break into the ballot balloting machines and stuff yeah. like that there's you know conspiracy theories kind of on that but nothing that I've personally seen that certainly exercising soft power yeah. to do it right you know through agents and, yes. and this kind of thing so so how are you okay with that as as an american we're all if you're a democrat surely democrats can have some good ideas surely they're human beings right we, surely we can come together right as americans as opposed to or should we just split this country into two pieces yeah. say everybody on uh, the, the republican side here you get the right side of the country everybody on the democrat side here you get the left side of the country and we'll just call it even put up a big wall in the middle of it and right. uh, you guys yeah. just set up your own thing or are we americans I, it's it's pissing me off right now that you can just keep how many smoking guns do you need how many you know it's well there's a great line in the bbc article that says you know in terms of smoking gun these days it seems like people could literally find a magnum on the floor still warm to the touch still smoking and someone will call it fake news yeah. you know, it's just yeah, uh, it's, it's impossible i mean and this that god as a journalist and, and as a human being i hate that fake news thing as well it yeah. makes it's so pernicious and it's so pervasive i've even seen it being used now by um people I talk to and approach for comments sometimes, they say sure. this is fake news. I've seen it at industry conferences and everything else, and it's so hard to do anything against because someone can just claim it without any backup whatsoever and just say it's yeah, fake news. And then the fabric of everything around what you consider to be truth and what is conventionally accepted breaks down. So therefore you get situations like this where you have... I'm not going to say he committed treason because um, you know, he's a private yeah, individual. Treason, yeah, but as far as I'm concerned... We're walking a thin line here. And yeah. so I'm not saying he did commit treason, but yeah. do we believe in treason? If we can prove at some point that they're, that these people are trying to help Russia yeah. in their hacking of us. I mean, Donald Trump saying, I don't agree with uh, hacking, but, you know, sure wouldn't mind if you go and hack uh, Hillary Clinton and get yeah, those exactly other emails right, that we yeah. can't find. What the hell are you doing? Well, this, this is, is the point America. Like, you, don't allow, you don't ask a foreign country to hack us. No, you don't. And the fact that it hasn't caused my outrage is shocking in itself. And that's where I was going with that last point, was just that, you know, these things keep happening, keep happening, keep happening. To the point where what would have absolutely been ironclad treason, go to prison, don't pass go, don't collect $200, now just seems to be an amorphous concept. And, that would be, you don't, yeah. you know. and like, as a tangent to this, I mean, it reminded me in a lot of ways of... Um, of the a lot of the crises over the last few years and scandals in the financial community where emails get leaked and whatever. Until you come back to the point that Donald Trump Jr. tweeted this out himself, himself. over Twitter. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah. I don't understand. 
like I mean the time said they phoned him and said we've got the emails we're going to publish them so I assume he didn't bother to phone his lawyer and then just went well I'm going to get ahead of I'm going to get ahead of the curve yeah. I'm going to be smart on this I'm one transparent <laughs> oh shit not page three <laughs> um it's, it's just phenomenal. I don't think I've ever come across anybody who has shot themselves in the foot this badly. Yeah. Um, ever. And then the fact <laughs> that you have Kushner, who's, I mean... Very, you know, very well advisedly stayed silent throughout so this So he thing. has security <laughs> clearance. So he applied for security clearance. Part of that is he has to disclose uh, meaning, uh, meetings, mm. uh, previous meetings, with foreign... Um, dignitaries, people yeah. like that. Um, so this would fall under that, this meeting with uh, Natalia. He did not. Do we care about this, folks? Why don't you care about this? Simply because he's on your team? Surely we can agree. Listen, it's not like if we find everything that Donald Trump does, Hillary Clinton gets to become president. No. It means that another Republican, it means you're going to get Pence. Yeah. Okay? Who has also been very careful to distance himself yeah, from this me, as well. Oh, I loved out in the statement that he put out. He goes, we're just focusing on making America great again. And anything that happened before I was selected as vice president, sure you get I really don't know about. Before I joined. It was a month before, guys. Before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, were, I don't know, Pence is just pens but yeah, <laughs> it was imagine exactly but again it's, it's not like there were, it's not like oh okay you guys screwed up so bad we're just gonna put in democrats no we have things called elections yeah, in this country. exactly right you know. and we had a foreign country try and screw with those elections yeah that should bother you more the fact that you have people in fine you don't believe it's donald trump senior that's fine but surely we can start to agree on some of these other individuals are not good for our country. They do not have our country, America's interest at yeah. heart. As a Republican, the, I can say that and still vote least. Republican in the next election. Well, exactly. But even at the very least, they do not have the judgment that they should have in order to hold these positions sure. to be this close. I mean, it's the fact that Russia tried to interfere with the election for me is neither here nor there. And I think it's naive to assume that we, and when I say we, I mean either the UK or the US doesn't try and do the same thing to our enemies. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I'm sure we do, of course. But the problem comes from when you are made fully aware of this fact that it comes from a hostile foreign power, yeah. and you still decide to do it. At very best, that shows a fatal flaw in your decision-making ability and your ability as a sound human being to make that judgment call. Yeah. At worst, it shows that you really just don't give a shit and you're actively colluding with it. Um, you know. At what point do you draw the line? And also, if that is the case, why do these people have security clearance still? Yeah. You talked about Kushner um, having to amend his uh, his application for security clearance to you know, mention these foreign meetings that he neglected to mention. Something like a hundred of them. About them, even though the email headline is yeah. Clinton, you know, whatever. It was. Anybody oh. else who tried to apply any kind of like employee of the Central Intelligence Agency or mm. of a government uh, bureau of some sort. They'd be fired. They would get it if they. Oh, I need to amend this. Oh, you missed one off. No, I missed a hundred. All right, get out. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. No way. It's yeah, it's like you, you had people like you know they were like, oh well, we should get rid of Obama because you know fake. Uh, he never releases um, his uh, birth certificate. Okay. Well, you have the guy actually tweeting out the thing here. Yeah. At least we can again. You don't agree with Donald Trump senior? Great, fantastic. Mm. Not the thing. When do we start picking off? these incompetent people that are undermining our country yeah. right now and are not helping us as a country move forward. Yes, we're Republicans, yes, we're Democrats, but we are Americans or we're not. And as a tangent, I think it's indicative of a wider and deeper malaise at the heart of this government where 
nepotism just seems to be rife. I mean, you had Ivanka Trump sitting in for her father at the G20. What are her qualifications to sit at yeah. the table at the G20? What are Jared Kushner's qualifications to be a special advisor to the president? Why is Donald Trump Jr. working on a political campaign and taking these meetings? I, as far as I know, he hasn't worked for the State Department. He hasn't had any diplomacy training. Why are they allowed to have these deals? I, I don't know. And the it's, funny thing is, is what people don't understand is precedent. You you now create the precedent for a Democrat that will one day be president and will do the same, the same things thing. and do yeah. this. And then you're going to cry bloody murder when, yes, you have every right to cry bloody murder. But you should have been crying it also back here rather than yeah. defending it. You can't defend it here and not defend it or and then uh, attack it here. That is hypocrite. And this is what I keep coming back to about discussions, not just about politics, but everything. Like the American system and the American judicial system in particular is built on precedent. Once you do things and they go unchallenged, they become part of the common narrative and they, it becomes harder to challenge them. So you're right. What Trump is doing right now, regardless of what you think about Trump and regardless of whether you voted Democrat, Republican or independent or whatever, you have to be concerned that this is creating a precedent for the future that could even be potentially worse somehow than, yeah. I mean, somehow worse than tweeting out that you took a meeting <laughs> with a foreign government. I, I don't know. But yeah. I understand, man. That cyber yeah. war is coming. And if they start shutting down infrastructure, just remember who you had your, just remember who, when you're telling your grandkids about the great <laughs> cyber war that happened, who you supported in From this. From a mud hut Think somewhere about in, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in America. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get off of our high horse now. And um, we hope that we didn't offend anybody. We hope that we just had an honest discussion more about, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. We'll go back to talking about football next week. Yeah, next so. week, yeah. yeah. Well, Game of Thrones recap, something like that. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're done for this week. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, next week again, July 18th, Mifid 2, What You Need to Know in London. Over here in, on Thursday, the 20th, uh, Waters Rankings winners will be announced. Uh, we thank you for joining in today. Jim, you got anything else? I'm all good. All right. Have a good day, guys.